Welcome to the Not Your Normal Social-Emotional Learning Podcast. My name is Nini White, and this is another episode about listening, because listening is so important. This time, the episode on listening that I'll be sharing, I'll be sharing some of my thoughts about three habits that get in the way of being the kind of listener that creates real connection and mutual respect with your young students. When I first started teaching, a lot of my students spoke too loudly and were pretty much continually grasping for my attention. Or, worse, some of my other students rarely paid attention to me, and all of it was exhausting. When I finally created the time to examine the situation, rather than putting all the responsibility for my exhaustion on my students, I came to realize that one cause of all the dissonance might have been that I was only giving part of my attention most of the time. And what's worse, the part of my attention I was giving was actually the most superficial part. I was in the same room as my students, but I definitely wasn't entirely present for them. And their behaviors were communicating to me that that wasn't good enough for them. Thank goodness, because it helped me to realize I didn't need to continue being a victim of the situation, that I could do something about it. As I, and as I focused more on my own intention to be more fully present and to really listen, real improvements evolved, like increasing growth of mutual respect in my classroom, decreased frustrations caused by miscommunication and misunderstandings, and more time for engaged and productive learning. I was a teacher for over 20 years, and during most of that time, once I came to appreciate how essential it is to be be a fully present listener, even just for brief moments, I began to love my job like never before, and love my students like never before, and my students loved me like never before. And you better believe that my students' parents were noticing and really appreciating what was happening in our classroom. That success turned into everyone's success, that turned into everyone's success, started as soon as I became more honest with myself about how I was interacting with my students in the micro-moments of each day. Yes, micro-moments, because micro-moments are far more important than I had previously realized. Absolutely essential for me to become a better listener was to be honest with myself about these three mindless habits I'd fallen into for whatever reasons. Mindless habit, my mindless habit number one, I was unintentionally, um, I had an unintentional lack of respect for my young students. That sounds kind of terrible, doesn't it? I say unintentional lack of respect because I didn't intend to be Uh, to not be respectful to them. But I had to ask myself, did I intend to, did I intend to be respectful to them? It hurts me to admit that I didn't have that specific intention. But if I'm going to be honest, then I must, then, and I must be honest, um, the act of fully listening to another person is an act of respect. 
how can I be so sure? Because I'm a person, and when I'm listened to, when I'm listened to, I feel respected. When I'm not listened to, I do not feel respected. I'm not talking about agreeing with me, and I'm not talking about acquiescence. Basically, I'm talking about activating the golden rule when it comes to listening to my students. When I applied the golden rule on this habit of unintentional lack of respect, I knew exactly how to turn it around. So how did I break mindless habit number one? Prior to interacting with my students, either in groups or individually, I would, as often as I could with my available bandwidth, intend to feel respect. And I don't mean put on a show of it, but I intended to find a true sense of respect for each individual child. Was that easy? Ha! What do you think? But... Taking a deep breath or two prior to finding that sense of respect was usually a a big help at achieving some success with that intention. Mindless habit number two of mine, the instinct to just teach. I mean, teaching is what we teachers do because imparting knowledge and skills for the betterment of young students' lives is one of the greatest feelings in the world. It gives real meaning and purpose to our lives, which invariably translates into much more talking and much less listening. But wait, is our teaching and talking really the only way for students to learn, to grow in their understanding? I referred back to my own childhood experiences, and there was always a certain point in any day when I was, when I was a kid that I just got tired of being taught, of being told what to think about and what to do. Recess helped, for sure. But how I would have loved it if someone besides my wonderful grandmother had actually bothered to listen to me, even just a little, to, to let me share about what mattered to me, or even to just be noticed, just me, only me, for a little perfect moment. We teachers teach what we know, what we've discovered, what we think can help our students. It's what we do. The thing is, at a certain point, if in anything really, and very definitely in our approach to teaching, it it won't hurt us to take a step back and reevaluate our automatic responses and make room for moments of giving all of our attention rather than requiring all our attention all our students to give us all their attention how i broke habit number 2 is i gave myself the challenge of intending to see each child in my class with fresh eyes each time i saw each one of them not easy definitely not saying it was easy but worth it oh yes very worth it Otherwise, my lack of fresh eyes and fresh ears for real listening would automatically imply that I was defaulting to automatic responses. It hurts to even think about that. Active listening requires intention, which, when you come right down to it, requires a bit of self-discipline. But I couldn't have and really wouldn't have made any progress if I'd experienced that intention 
as some kind of a heavy duty or an added burden to my already overly full load of responsibilities. Instead, my intention, my attention, was more on the rewards side of having intention by opening myself to being just a little more interested in each of my kiddos, trying to ask them questions that would draw out their personal points of view and values. The rewards were often quite real for them and for me. Basically, win-win. Mindless habit number three, the biggest delusion of all, multitasking. Ooh, you didn't want to be called out on that one, did you? None of us does. Well, I'm sorry, but neuroscience explains that the human brain is not physiologically capable of focusing on two separate tasks at the exact same time. Even though it might look like that's what, what, what's happening and what we're doing, in fact, what's actually happening is switch tasking. Each time we listen to a child while at the same time taking care of a chore, there is literally a stop, switch, start, stop, switch, start process happening within the brain's circuitry. I am not making this stuff up. This is contemporary, fully researched brain science. That stop, switch, start, stop, switch, start process, quick as it is, takes a toll. Rather than saving time, it costs time, even even very small microseconds, but those do add up. And that, and actually, they make us less efficient, causing more mistakes, and over time, draining our energy. Not to mention that attempting to multitask, which is actually switch tasking, makes it literally impossible to connect as thoroughly as we could if our attention and our listening were fully focused and present rather than divided. So, how to create mindless habit number three. Want to have less mindless switch tasking in your day? Great. What do you think about a little experiment for next week? Every time a child seeks your attention, if you possibly can, even if it's a little bit of a stretch, stop what you're doing and turn towards the child, establish eye contact, and really listen. That's it. Even if only for 10 seconds, ideally more, but even if for the briefest amount of time, then notice the body language and the tiny little changes in the demeanor of each child with whom you do this. See if you notice a tiny wave of relaxation come over the child's body or facial features as a natural response to the attention and listening you're giving. There will be changes. There always are. And when you notice them, that will be your reward, providing motivation to continue experimenting with more mindful interactions and listening. So, in conclusion, in the long run, if you're able to grow your intention to listen with more respect, more mindfulness, less distractedness, you will discover your own set of rewards. 
and those rewards will keep you going in this direction, which will nurture your young student's social-emotional well-being long into the future. Do you know someone who would benefit from this episode? I hope you'll share it with them. And if you're inclined to, we'd really appreciate it if you'd rate this podcast. Give it a review, too, because that's how we'll become more visible to reach more educators. You know. Okay, thanks. Till next time. Take care.